thewellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. Welcome to 100 Not Out, featuring your hosts, Dr. Damien Christoph and Marcus Pierce. Welcome to another edition of 100 Not Out, a weekly show dedicated to helping you master the art of aging well. My name is Marcus Pierce, and I am here with the sensational genetic legend himself. He's Dr. Damien Christoph. Hi, Dan. <laughs> Does genetic legend mean that I'm dead? Like, no, genetic mean? legend means that you have the gene profile of a legend, and oh. that you're still alive, so you're a living legend. Wow. Thanks, uh, Marcus. You say some... I don't know where you pull this stuff from, but I love it. Well, I know that you've had your genes tested twice, which means that they were so good the first time, you just wanted um, proof. confirmation I that proof. you were legendary as you are. So. I wanted to make sure they got the right spit. That's it. Yeah. I know. I know. Now, yeah. for those of you listening, you will know that this episode is proudly brought to, uh, brought to you uh, by the 100 Not Out Greek Island Longevity Retreat. That's seven nights and eight days in June with Damo and myself, learning and experiencing for real from the centenarians of Ikaria just how to live a life of quantity and quality. For more information, go to www.100notout.com. Damo, don't we have one of the best special guests of all time coming on this uh, on this call today? Yeah, quite easily one of the best. She's uh, she's a beautiful woman, amazing naturopath, uh, an incredibly great friend of mine, and I'm very pleased and proud to work with her almost every day of my life. Uh, today we have an expert in naturopathy and an expert in nutrigenomics, and her name is Diane Scranton. And we're, I'm going to welcome her to 100 Not Out. So welcome, Diane. Thank you so much, Damien, and thank you, Marcus. You're embarrassing me with that introduction there. <laughs> well, it's our pleasure to have you on the podcast. I'm sure everyone listening at the moment just um, just almost uh, paused and said, Hot Nutriger what? <laughs> did I mumble? I didn't mumble, no, did no, I? No, you said it so eloquently, oh, Damien. It was beautiful. But, I've uh, been working on that. For most people out there, we have never heard of the term nutrigenomics, so would you be kind enough to share what nutrigenomics is, Diane? So nutrigenomics is how our nutrition uh, interacts with our genes. Um, and that's, that's, I suppose, the most simple explanation and how our nutrition also act, our genes interact with our lifestyle as well. So, Dee, does this come from the, uh, it comes from the, I suppose, off the backbone of epigenetics or the epigenome? Is that where nutrigenomics comes from? It does, yeah, most definitely. So we're looking at the, the epigenome when we're looking at uh, nutrigenomics. And what we know is that there's certain genes that you know, we may be better with certain foods with or there's genes that interact with certain nutrients in our diet. Mm-hmm. Um, and that all comes down to a very personal level. So everyone's not the same with that and we've all got very distinct differences uh, with how our genes interact with our food. Yeah, it's interesting. I'm just going to uh, move on from that, and I'll and then I'll let Marcus jump in because I bet you he's busting to ask a question. I am because he's I... like he's like that. He <laughs> likes to go he like table like a game of tennis. But uh, <laughs> I I just want to go back to the epigenetic thing. I just because it's a very important point that people should understand that your genes are merely a blueprint. They're only a set of instructions by which you can follow them if the environment is right. So. What we say about about the genes is that they don't control your life, they, but they have the ability to guide your life, and you guide your life according to the environment that you put yourself into. So if you have a positive mindset, 
or a negative mindset, then your life expression is different. If you eat good food or bad food, then you have a different expression accordingly, and so on and so forth. You know, good and bad all the way through, and it flicks on and flicks off different types of gene, um, I suppose, transcription or reading, and our body responds in kind. Is, is that what we're talking about? That's exactly right. Yep, it, that's, that's it. And there's, uh, you know, you can see that as, as people move from maybe one location to another or, you know, it, around the world or they change their diet, that their body responds very differently. Yep. But we can also see that, you know, maybe people in the same household that are eating exactly the same diet, you know, their bodies are, are functioning completely differently and expressing that diet very differently. Mm. Um, so we know that we've really got to listen to how our food actually talks to our genes and vice versa. So for me then, I'm listening to this going, all of the dribble that we get fed by the media about the latest diet here and the latest diet there, all diets aren't created equal for everyone then, are they? It, it, it is really, this. hopefully a lot of people listening going, oh, so maybe the, the so-and-so diet without wanting to single out any particular diets, maybe that diet is not best for me but we can really only find out if we get insights and knowledge as to what genes... Um, we, we have, is that correct? That's correct, yep. There's, there's so many diets out there nowadays and I think people jump on board with different things and uh, I think a diet is also very different when we're looking at it in terms of our health as opposed to just our weight as well. So, you know, a certain diet may work with just our body composition but it may not be the best diet for our brain health and our heart health long term. So it can be really hard for people to figure out well, what's exact, what is right for them. Well, Damo, I just think of this, like we've interviewed people on this podcast with all different types of diets. We've interviewed Mimi Kirk, who's a raw foodie. Yes. Uh, we've interviewed Ruth Heydrich, who runs marathons after suffering breast cancer, and she's raw foodie, but she's even like a very low-fat raw foodie. Then yeah, we've she's got- like um, 20 bananas a day. Yeah, she was, she's got a very, what we would probably call extreme diet, but she loves it, right? She loves just it. loves it. Loves it. Um, then we've got Dexter Kruger who has coffee at midnight and, and, and hot oh, chocolates and, and cake in the middle of the day. Dexter. He's 100 and, 104. And then we've got um, others that are probably more in the in the extreme where they're more paleo. And then we've got others like Tommy Hafey who would probably just eat what most, uh, I suppose, healthy people would eat where he'd have a salad sandwich for lunch. He'd have um, muesli or uh, oats in the morning. I think he's probably... We still haven't sent him that forage, Damo. We need to get the forage over to, to didn't Tommy. I, didn't I send it to him? Are I think sure? we need to get Tommy some forage. But um, oh, he, it, Tommy would have a very traditional, I suppose, Western, but healthy Western, not like fast food, but healthy Western. Um, so, But then he has ice cream every night, right? He has ice cream every night. But then I'm thinking as well, like... Your friend Brian Kelly, uh, Damo, okay. is vegan, okay? okay. Yeah. But as you say, he does he does it well. Whereas I was vegan for six years, and I would say I did it well. But the reason why I stopped after six years was because I couldn't look anyone in the eye and say I felt fifty times better than when I lived on a traditional Western diet six years earlier. Well, let's um, let's open a can of worms there, hey? Given that we've well, just gone there. Yeah, let's do it, Dion. <laughs> yep. You used to be a, a vegetarian too, didn't you? I did. And how did that go for you? <laughs> well, I, I was vegetarian for 15 years and um, look, initially I thought it was great um, but I, I think that often happens with whenever you change your diet to an extreme diet is that you just feel better for those first few years initially. Yeah. Uh, I, I think then as time went on, you know, I could really start to see the effects on, I, I still ate um, eggs and the occasional piece of fish but not, not a huge amount. 
Um, as time went on, I really saw that need for, you know, my energy wasn't the same as what it should be. My recovery from exercise wasn't the same. And, you know, like a whole heap of things that I just wasn't as healthy as I should have been. So I definitely then tried to increase the protein content of my diet. Um, but really that, that biggest change that I saw with my health was when I totally flipped that around and started eating meat again and just got into the flesh, really. I think that was the, the best thing I've ever done for my health. Mm. And that's my DNA profile really showed that I need to be on a very high-protein diet. Um, so it's no surprise that I feel best on that. Yep. Now, Dee, I've got a couple of questions, two questions. It's in two parts, but I'm going to ask the first part now and the next part I'll come after because I know that Marcus might want to jump in there. But a lot of people are going to want to find out, and I certainly want to find out, what, are there many variations with the diets that you need to put people on or suggest to them? For, for instance, are some people going low fat? Are some people going high fat? Are some people going paleo? Are others going vegetarian? How many different variants have we got with genes and diet? Well, I think that's a great question. We've got a number of different variants. Generally, we're divided up into six main lipid types or genotypes, and that gives us an idea of the amount of protein, fat, and carbohydrates that we generally need. Uh, and then from there, we can see that it, with each individual's profiles that we then get more recommendations from that. So um, what we've got is the C genotypes. Um, so there's C1 and C2. And the Cs are the, the most ancient genotype that they're um, around. Now, they're generally best on a slightly higher protein diet and generally a slightly lower fat diet as well. And that doesn't mean that they need low-fat foods such as low-fat dairy products, which then means that we increase the incidence of sugar in their diet, um, but just that they shouldn't overdo fat. So maybe an extreme paleo diet isn't the best thing for them. We've then got the B genotypes, and they sort of sit right in the middle. So they're the genotype that's best on a Mediterranean-style diet, and they're good with you know regular amounts of protein, really good amounts of fat. We know that olive oil is very beneficial for them, whereas we know that olive oil for a C genotype is actually really unhealthy. And then we've got the A genotypes. Now, the A's are the newest genotypes around, and they actually need the highest amount of fat in their diet. So they're up at around you know, a good 35% uh, fat intake, which is fairly high. I mean, that means they can be eating you know, full avocado for most meals, and you know, that's really what they're going to thrive on. Did you say before that olive oil is bad for some people? Yeah, and this is a, a big surprise because I think what we, you know, and one of the recommendations that's out there for a lot of people, or if we know we've got people that have high cholesterol, they're often recommended use olive oil rather than anything else. Now, we know heating olive oil is not a good idea, but even raw olive oil for a C genotype is actually really unhealthy for their heart health and it increases the formation of small dense LDL particles, which are the worst type of particles we can have in our for our cholesterol levels. And Dion, did you also suggest that maybe the paleo diet is not a diet that everyone should be on? Yeah, that's right. I think that perhaps everyone can be on a, a modified form of the paleo diet, but I think that where a lot of or some people run into problems is that they think paleo, that means I can eat as much fat and as much protein as I like, yeah. and that's not the case for everyone. Well, as much as this is something that I, I get curious on because I'm like a lot of people, I do love to have what um, is popular at the time and I know our family does love to enjoy coconut water and we have coconut oil and shredded coconut and flaked coconut but on hearing all of this, I'd, I'd love to know whether... <laughs> coconut sugar? Yeah, yeah. I'd love to, I, I'm hoping like hell that when I have my genes tested that coconut is, is, is good for me and good for the family but 
I have a suspicion that with something like a fad food, or not that coconuts are fad food, but it's, it's becoming much more popular and more mainstream, there could be people out there going, well, I'm having all this coconut, people like me, um, but then actually find out that their body or their gene type isn't actually that well adapted to coconut. Is this the kind of thing that people, do they get a bit of shock horror when they get some of their results with things like this? Yeah, a lot of a lot of people are very shocked. Actually, um, I think the, the biggest shock I think happens for both the A's and the C genotypes because they tend to be sort of at either end of the spectrum there with the high fat and the lower fat. Um, so I think you know quite often I'll see an A genotype and they've been following a low fat diet and it's a, a huge shock to, for them to think that all of a sudden they've got to increase their fat intake. And then vice versa for a C. I think the one thing at least with uh, coconut oil is that that's okay for most genotypes, but maybe not the amount of fat that people consume in the form of coconut cream and milk and chips and that type of thing, as you say. Yeah. Okay. So then I know Damo is spot on here because I do want to interrupt on a couple of things. By the way, I was just about to get in there too. I was about to ask him. (laughs) I'll beat him to it. Do you need to go through? Have you finished with the six or are there more you need to run off? No, that's six. In with the A, B, and C, we've got two underneath all of those. Okay. So so I'm eager, but I'm not being too eager here. So my question is for a family, this is a very selfish question, but I'm sure there's lots of families like mine. We're a family of four. Is it possible that many families out there, 2.2 kids, have got four different genotypes in the family or is it more likely that there's only one or two? It's, it's possible to have quite a, a number of genotypes. Um, it depends on what the parents' genotypes are though. So And the postman's. And, and that's right, the postman. <laughs> Always got to check the postman. <laughs> just in case. That's right. I had to get in there with that one, didn't you, Oh, Dave? yeah, it just came to my mind. <laughs> oh man! Well, I mean, for instance, we know that a an A one genotype and a B one genotype, the alleles, if you like, or the, the genes that are commonly expressed, an A one will have an E two E two, and an B one will have a, a B two B two. Uh, sorry, B E three E three. Now, what that means is that that combination of genes can only ever produce one genotype, but that's actually going to be a different genotype to what their parents are. Um, so there's a number of genotypes you can have, and yes, unfortunately, in a family, quite often we'll get a whole variety. Oh my gosh, I was following this like the whole way until we got to that little bit, right? It's the confusing part. It sounded, it sounded like music, like reading chords. <laughs> like it just didn't. It's just all another language to me. And look, I, D, I, you know, I'm an naturopath, and I loved it, and I started doing the nutrigenomic stuff, and it all got a little bit difficult for me. So, and I wanted to keep my life nice and simple. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so you called D and said, can you so said, D, can you come and do the hard stuff? Can you do the tough stuff for me, D? And uh, so, D, I'm just thinking now there'll be people out there going, well, what's the relevance? Why Why is there? Why is a naturopath now doing nutrigenomic profiling? What's What's all that about? Can you tell us, can you, you know, maybe answer that question? Because it's not, it's not clear cut because I thought, you know, and so are many people. People go, naturopath, you know, herbs, vitamins, diet, meditation, fish slapping, you know, all that sort of stuff. And then we go, nutrigenomics, we go science, numbers, letters, formulas, analysis, you know. So how do the trains meet? Yeah, I think um, I think naturopathy as a profession really has had that that hippie tag for a long time, and I think we're we're moving away from that, which I think is fantastic. My approach with naturopathy has always been more of the scientific approach, um, and I think that's really important in this area. 
Yeah. Well, we know, and a, a, the thing that really attracted me to the nutrigenomic testing is, you know, I might see someone in practice and they've got what looks like on paper a brilliant diet, um, and yet, you know, their cholesterol levels or their their heart health, or they may have all these health issues that just don't match with with what you'd think would be a really, you know, great diet for them. So we then have a look at their genes and we can then really understand, well, okay, now we know why that diet's not working for you. And we just make everything a lot more targeted. Yeah, right. I, I might say now because I know we're starting to run out of time, but should have said this at the beginning, we're actually running a webinar on all of these topics that we've covered and more um, on Tuesday. Uh, Tuesday, where's my fourth, The 4th. Tuesday, fourth. March the 4th at 8 p.m. Now, to get the links, go to our Facebook page. For those of you that recently joined us, we had a few glitches, but this one, I promise you, will definitely work. We'll be able to let everyone that register onto the webinar. We're just we're a little bit overwhelmed with the interest um, for our recent webinar, but we have it doing another one Tuesday, March the 4th at 8 p.m. All of the registration details are on the 100 Not Out Facebook page. That's facebook.com forward slash 100 Not Out, and that's all letters. Um, now, Dee, can I ask you a question about exercise? Yep. Can your gene profile give you clues as to whether you were born to do CrossFit or whether you were born to do a yogi, be a yogi, or somewhere in between? It definitely can. Definitely right. can. Um, so, what we see when we with your gene profile is we see people that are best maybe with that endurance exercise um, and that have that real genotype to just you know exercise for as long as they like if you like and then we've got the genotype that's best with a sprint and power type of exercise like me that's it that that power that interval training that's why i'm so massive <laughs> <laughs> you and me both <laughs> <laughs> that's right that's right oh, we can't keep out of the gym can we don't no, mate no gym junkies that's oh it. man <laughs> oh, Sorry, I, I, I actually wanted to cut you off there because i want to save a little bit of this awesomeness for the webinar, because if we cover it all now, we're not going. People aren't going to learn as much. So uh, I'm going to. I'm just going to like hey, dangle the carrot and you know, <laughs> take the toys away from the kids there, because that's really awesome stuff that we're about to get stuck into. And we're going to cover that more in the webinar, which is free anyway. So just got to spend more time with us. That's all. So listeners, you know, if you want to learn more from D in that regard, tune in Tuesday night. It's going to be fantastic. D, um, I've often mentioned that the most ancient well, one of the more simple tests to determine genetic um, relevance or genetic um, determination would be the blood type thing, right? Now, I know there's a lot of people talking about poo-pooing blood typing and, and using that as a model for, for diet selection and food selection. And I've been using it now for, what, 16 years with my practice members, and I know you've been using it at times as well. I still find it relevant. I still find it a nice place to start because anecdotally, I find it to be very beneficial for for the bulk of the people that I give it to. What's your experience with it and do you think the blood type thing's okay? Um, look, I think I always ask people their blood type and I think it's very important to be aware of that because it does give us that start with their food as to, you know, is that person, you know, or even what their stomach acid might be like and what types of proteins or foods they may be best on yeah. and how they may react to those foods. Um, and it's interesting then often to correlate that with their gene profile is often we see it, you know, it might match up perfectly. Um, other times we get things that there's just that slight difference. So I think that in general that's a really good place to start. 
a great start. Now, I want to say, and because neither of these guys are going to say it because they both work there, but if this is really pushing your buttons and you do want to make an appointment to see Dion and you are in Melbourne or you'd like to come to Melbourne to have an appointment with Dion, um, call Vita because that's where Damo and Dion are both working. And the, the number there is 39 Five nine eight seven eight double one. That's zero three nine five nine eight seven eight double one. And their website is vitalifestyles.com. Just had to give you guys a plug because I know you're both too modest to do so. But this is really what pushes the buttons for lots of people. When we did the webinar recently, people were like, I know I need to get my genes tested. I know I need to, my, to get my genes tested because I really feel that people get sick of going from diet to diet to diet or from the latest new exercise to the latest new exercise or from superfood to superfood. So yeah. I get, I get Dion, that maybe when people do have their genes tested, there's a real sense of relief but a real sense of perpetuity about what they can do going forward. They don't have to go on a roller coaster for the rest of their lives. That's, that's right. I, there's that relief and that, you know, I think the other big thing that people realize is there's, they, it's like they understand themselves better. So they might think, well, okay, that's why when I've tried paleo or I've tried low fat, that's why I felt absolutely terrible. So it's it really allows them to go, okay, well, I don't need to follow that fad. This is what I need to do. And it just gives them that strength and confidence to go forward. Fantastic. Well, Dee, on behalf of Damien and myself, sincere gratitude for your time and wisdom on 100 Night Out today. And Thank like we like to wish all of our guests, may the rest of your life truly be the best of your life, Dion Scranton. Thank you so much. It's been wonderful to be on today. Thank you. And listeners, remember, if you'd like to join us on the webinar, it is Tuesday, March 4. Go to our Facebook page. Make sure you like us at facebook.com forward slash 100 not out. That's all words. Now, remember, if you're not a member of the Wellness Couch, there is plenty to offer by becoming so. Uh, it's free to join. Simply go to thewellnesscouch.com. You'll see a wonderful photo of the great Lawrence Tam on stage at the Wellness Summit there. <laughs> Enter your name uh, and your email address to um, receive all the benefits of being a member on the couch. And if you are on iTunes and you're listening to us through iTunes, please give us a rating. It really does make the world of difference. It allows more people around the world to be exposed to uh, 100 Not Out and any podcast uh, for that matter. So ratings on iTunes do mean a big thing. So if you're enjoying the podcast, please go into the rating section in the iTunes store and give um, 100 Not Out a rating that uh, of a number of stars that you wish to give us. In no, the meantime, no, no. Just no, give no. it. Just give us. A... Force people to give five stars. If yes. You want to give us four? No, it should only us... be five stars, mate. They might. They might want to keep us on our toes and say you, you're doing a great job, but need to do more of this. And they can put that in the comments here, and we can take it on board, Damo. No, but don't do a rating. Like, unless it's five stars, don't waste your time. We'll just, okay. we'll we'll wait till we get to five stars before you rate us. But just if you're oh, ready okay. to rate us, just give us five stars. <laughs> So email us and say, I was going to rate you, but I know you want five, so I'm just going to give you four. This is what you need to do to get my five-star yes, approval. that's better because otherwise iTunes don't love us as much, right? Oh, that's hilarious. Sensitive <laughs> Damo on board you today. Um, <laughs> Damo, for Marcus. you especially, mate, until next week, make the rest of your life the best of your life. Thanks, Marcus. And folks, we look forward to catching you on the next edition of 100 Not Out. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.